Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is an unspoiled network podcast. This is Spoil Me, covering Jane the Virgin, Season 1, Episode 8, Chapter 8. In this episode, Jane hadn't told Raphael that she's a virgin. I just thought it would have come up long before now. I just thought he knew. I really did. And then... She drops the lawsuit, man, and I just don't know about that. Welcome to Spoil Me. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Natasha. Thank you very much to Natalia for commissioning this episode. Natalia is here in the chat. What's up? Natalia, I'm delighted, uh, not only because you commissioned this episode, which already I'm very happy about because I really love watching this show, but also I had a few teachers in my time get my name wrong and they always called me Natalia instead of Natasha. So anytime I meet a Natalia, I'm always just like, hey, I was kind of like, I was almost you for a minute. Um, so this episode, we had like ended the last one on Raphael going to Mexico. And I thought we were going to spend the next couple following him around Mexico, finding out what's going on with him, seeing what was going on in his absence. And no, he's back already by the time this episode begins. Totally unexpected like really caught me off guard and I'm not mad about it at all. Like, look, I'm just, I'm going to be upfront with y'all. I'm not great with change. So when I'm used to my show that I've grown fond of taking place in the hotel and mostly there and within obviously Jane's home, I'm just like, all right, we can go somewhere else, I guess. But like, I'm just going to be kind of low key waiting to go back again. And I'm really glad that he's done and that it turns out what he was doing. I thought he was going back in order to fix something that he had fucked up while he was in his playboy mode and partying. I thought it was going to have to do with like, I keep talking about a fire, even though I'm not entirely sure that's what it was. But I keep assuming that whatever happened to Petra's mother that caused the scarring on her face was due to something he did and that this is like a long con kind of, I don't know. Um, that said, I am not entirely sure 
of that anymore the way that I was after I look at what happened to lead to her being with Raphael. So we shall see. Um, well, I got a lot of talk, a lot of stuff to talk about with that. But anyway, so I'm, I'm going to start off. We do a flashback like we usually do. And it turns out that uh, what we get actually is a story unexpectedly about the way that Abuela's like uh, the way that she got together with her husband. But the reason it comes up is because Shamara had a speeding ticket and she forgot to appear in court, which means, or no parking ticket, my bad. So since she didn't show up to fight it and pay it, now she's going to have to go in and we wind up finding out that her abuela is not here in the United States legally and hasn't been this whole time. I thought we were going to have seen that she was here illegally in this ep- in this flashback and that since then she was legalized. Um, and genuinely, this is out of sheer ignorance on my part because I do not know the ins and outs of how that works. And you would think that I would because of my father, but my dad married my mother and her being a U.S. citizen and him marrying her, he got a green card. And I do not doubt that marrying her was like the green card was a pretty big motivating factor. I'm fairly certain. Um, But that was the way he was sort of able to sidestep that difficulty. It was, it was a very direct thing as far as what happens for somebody who's already in the country and has been for some time. And the way that that works, do not know how you would go about. And if the fact that you had been here illegally would be discovered and if that is used against you in some way to make it more difficult or is the fact that you have been here and you've been paying into the system, does that help you in some way? I genuinely do not know. And I almost think that it has to be a sort of case by case thing. Um, But this winds up being a kind of theme that pervades the episode because it turns out this has caused her abuela to have a lifelong fear of like the court system. And while a big part of me was sort of scoffing at the idea that this would wind up being an issue within the scope of the actual lawsuit. Once I stopped to think about how incredibly underhanded this whole family has proven to be, I had to admit them getting a PI and investigating the family and using something like this against them is a real possibility. And so I, I sort of at first felt like this is just super not going to be an issue. And then the longer I thought about it, I was like, Oh yeah, no, this is actually well within the purview of somebody like Petra, for instance, not that Petra is going to be the one that's fighting because I don't think it's necessarily in her interest at this point to get Jane to drop the the lawsuit, but just as a, for instance, um, but my issue 
with the choice here is that even though her grandmother was a factor, Jane says something in the, at the end of the episode to Raphael about how it's not just that they said something in the, uh, courtroom about how this baby was unwanted but i don't feel that way anymore so if i don't then what am i doing this for the money that just feels really ugly and i'm just going to say that i get we need her to drop this because technically it's more like she's suing Raphael, and i get that we want Jane to not be a money grubber, but I really don't like the precedent of setting it up that somebody who is trying to get some kind of compensation for being put through a potentially life threatening event, asking for like that, that is just looking for money. You know, I, I just, I really have a problem with this. And there is of course something to the argument that the United States has become like so litigious that it's laughable and people are willing to sue over anything. However, going through pregnancy changes everything about your body and then potentially everything about your life going forward. And Anybody who tries to act like it's not a big deal has either never been pregnant or is being fundamentally dishonest. And what the fact that she wants the baby now and that she has sort of come around to feeling that way does not change the fact that she didn't choose this. And to me, like not taking, like at least settle. You know, like something like that, like it's just so, it's so altruistic in a way that for me almost feels like it's judgmental and I just really didn't like it. You know, you're going to go through some shit and yes, he will take care of the baby. So he says, and she's good to say that she wants that in writing, but also what about you and what you're going to go through and what your family is going to go through? And what if like... You have to move because you don't have the room or it's not safe for a kid or you're not in a good school district. And are they going to pay for that? Is that in the writing? What about anything that might happen to you like medically that's a long-term result and not something that's immediately possible to tie to the pregnancy? Is that something that's going to be covered in the future as well? And one could say that Raphael seems like a good guy and would be reasonable about that. But we're in a fictional scenario right now and reality doesn't work that way. And getting money is not an inherently greedy thing. It is compensation for being put through something that you didn't choose that shouldn't have been put on you. And that was the result of somebody who was being negligent. And that's just what it is. So I, Really, I just wanted to start off by mentioning that because it bothered me the way they decided to frame this. And I understand in like a broad strokes sense why they made this choice. But I just personally don't feel like it was a kind way to handle this. Um, Lauren in the chat says, 
yeah, this is one of those things that they make seem sweet slash logical in TV shows, but if it were real life, no way. Yeah, very much so. And it just bums me out because like good people, this is, <laughs> I'm just going to get on my soapbox here for just a second. This kind of thing, this sort of message is the sort of thing that sinks into the minds of people who are good and caring and want to do the right thing, but does not sink into the minds of people who genuinely are greedy and take advantage. So the fact that you like when you are a decent person who doesn't want to take advantage, you oftentimes, and I'm speaking from experience here, have trouble asking for help that you are 100% entitled to. Not even that's like, you know, an additional bit of help, but just help that is something that is part of the package of whatever it is you're doing. And you'll feel like weirdly guilty about it. And the difference between folks like me and people who like really manage to get ahead in the world in a bigger way and I mean that solely in the financial sense, is that they don't have those sorts of qualms. They just take advantage every time they can, as much as they can. And there is a part of me that feels constantly this low-level rage about that, because I wish I could be more that way. You know, there are so many people who were suggesting to me that I apply for one of those like PPE loans when they were doing them for the pandemic. And I was like, my my job is entirely from home already. The pandemic hasn't really affected me. It just doesn't seem right to me to take advantage of a program that's meant for. And then I look at all of the people who got those loans and got them forgiven, who absolutely didn't need them. And a part of me is still feeling like, no, but I did the right thing. And another part of me is like, yeah, but so fucking what? Who cares? You don't get an, like the government isn't fair. And the way that this shit works isn't fair. So sometimes maybe just take what you can get on a smaller scale. And yet I say that to myself with this frustration. I don't think that going back, I would have tried to get the loan, even knowing what I know now, because I have a fear of like there being some sort of consequence for me, because we know that people who are too big to fail they don't wind up with the same kinds of consequences as an everyday person who asks for a loan that they don't necessarily need the same way. So all that to say is I feel like this sort of message about like, oh, well, going after the money by like on its own would be really ugly is the like adding a layer of guilt for people who don't need that extra layer of guilt already. They already let themselves get taken advantage of. And I just hate to see this. But that's also just layered with a lot of personal stuff, as you can tell. So what are you going to do? Um, so we jump back into uh, the moment where Raphael is told that he's fired. And it turns out that Petra told his father about the fact that he put his shares of the hotel in to support his sister. And that Louisa is fucking missing. And if she doesn't answer this lawsuit within two weeks, they're going to have to get, uh, they're going to get a default judgment and lay claim to his 20%. And it was an interesting moment because 
his father is really angry at him. But when Raphael says something about how you always tell me to put family first, his dad doesn't really argue with him about that. He just like at, at that point, I think it's Petra that sort of chimes in. Um, but yeah, it doesn't, there's a part of me that felt like his father is angry in, I think more over the fact that he hasn't been told, but I really believe that a part of him does think what Raphael did, if not the smart thing was the right thing. And he just doesn't like being out in the cold in terms of the information. Um, so he has to tell Jane where he's going. And when she asks, he can't, he doesn't want to fully explain because of the situation with the lawsuit. But, uh, she is like, all right, let's set the lawsuit aside and tell me what's going on as somebody who just cares about you and wants to know why you're going there. And he explains about getting a default judgment if Louisa doesn't show up. So at this point, of course, she is unaware about Raphael's stake in this and he doesn't tell her until she drops the suit and then he informs her, which she winds up taking as proof that he really does love her because her grandmother said something about a man who is willing to like walk away from money because apparently Jane's grandfather had been from a really wealthy family and they did not want him to marry her grandma. So, you know, this is one of those things that it's like, there. <laughs> have you guys read Mansfield Park, the uh, Jane Austen novel? It's one of the like lesser read ones I have found. And for good reason, it's honestly kind of a fucking downer, really preachy in comparison to a lot of other Jane Austen stuff, which is like, there's always a moral that one has a really puritanical edge to it that feels gross sometimes. And there is a story in that, like she comes from a family who, uh, the woman wound up marrying a man and, and turning away from the family money. And it's this big romantic thing. But then in the present, she's like stuck in this marriage that has turned sour and they don't have enough resources for all their kids. And basically like the lesson in it is just, it sounds romantic to get by on nothing but your love until it's fucking January and you have nothing in the bank account and yada, yada, yada. And I always think about that with these kinds of moments where I'm like, there is certainly reality in that. Like finances are the number one reason that couples wind up divorcing. And that was certainly a factor in my first marriage. But um, I understand, like, the idea of if you are willing to walk away from money and comfort, that is an indicator of something substantial and real being there. It's just, uh, it, I think sometimes if you've never been without, you maybe just don't fully appreciate what it is you're walking away from. And I don't know how often we really face that part of it. <laughs> um. But anyway, so we find out that uh, she has been like doing the hugs, she being Jane, um, at her school. And there's like a picture of a long line of people waiting for her. And the whole thing with them is 
turns out to be more of a plot point than I was really expecting. Um, Raphael comes back and sees her and he points out that she's finally beginning to show a little bit. And I was sort of wondering how the show was going to handle that because, you know, she hasn't been showing it all this entire time. And it's an interesting, you know, in television shows and movies, we often don't really see the progress of somebody's pregnancy. We will jump from them being flat stomached to then ahead in time and their full body, like ready to pop sort of belly. And I'm really curious about the prosthetics and how they're going to do that and how realistic it's going to be. And if anybody in the audience is someone who's been pregnant and you are, have it like a particular thing that you want to mention about it, I would be really interested to hear because I have never, I've been pregnant once, but I never got to the point that I was showing. And so I don't really know how that like weight distribution happens or the realities of the prosthetics for, you know, say four months along versus nine months. Um, but yeah, so that's happening. And he seems like really delighted at the fact that she is showing and they start kissing here. And he tells her, this is my place, not knowing she's been here, and asks, do you want to move to the bedroom? And I, it wasn't until that moment that it, it even occurred to me that she hadn't told him. Genuinely never even entered my mind. I thought for sure that would have come up within the scope of her having gotten pregnant. Like it would just the fact that she was so careful and got pregnant despite that was something that was mentioned enough that I didn't even feel like it had to be a big statement about her virginity so much as just like a, the, the, feeling of where she wound up because of her trying to constantly avoid doing what her mother did and how it felt sort of like, how has this thing happened to me? It feels like, you know, it was inevitable that I follow in her footsteps, even though I made better choices. And, you know, they spent an entire night talking together and sharing stories. And I just thought that it would have come up. And I honestly find it kind of weird that it didn't, it feels more like she was hiding it than just, it couldn't like, I just feel like they, they hung out for so long. I just can't imagine in the context of everything, but whatever. Um, and the, the moment is like, she doesn't, she has the chance to tell him, but she doesn't. And instead she goes home and explains to her mom that she hasn't told him and her mother reacts. I got kind of irritated with Jane here. Her mother is like, I wonder how a guy like Raphael will react to that. And Jane is like a guy like that. And I'm like, yeah, Jane, a guy like that. Look, he may not be the dude he used to be, but he remains a man who has had many partners and that's just the guy, like, 
that is the guy that he is. It's fine, but let's be realistic about it. She got so defensive of him, like it was inherently an insult. And it's like, he's definitely of a totally different background than Michael and definitely have a totally different background in general from you and the way that you've grown up. Like there's nothing wrong with saying that. And her mother says something about how, like, I'm just being honest with you the way you are with me when you don't like somebody. And Jane says, he's not somebody I'm having his kid. And I was like, okay, I get what you're saying, but it still felt to me like you just don't want to face what, the differences in him it felt like she is trying to run away from something and she does like you if you're going to be with somebody who has a particular history of behavior you've got to be ready to like acknowledge that history and that doesn't mean hold it against them and that doesn't mean like oh i don't trust you because you've exhibited these behaviors it just means that well, yeah, take that into consideration. Maybe they are different now than they used to be, but they're certainly going to have a perspective because of what they've been through. So she gets really closed off because of her mother's like reaction to Raphael in general. And later on when she tells him and he has a kind of difficult response, she doesn't tell her mother right away the the way he was she just doesn't want her mother to be right about him and she's sort of trying to let the moment breathe and give him a chance but you know he asked for another drink and got really like weird about it and i think you know jane i want you to keep in mind girl that not only are is he very into you and obviously had no idea and you are somebody that he is like, was actively hoping to sleep with that night. But you are pregnant with his child. And I feel like, th of course, he's going to be even weirder about it than Michael would be. Once he realizes you've never even had sex and and you're about to push a baby out like you know i mean i don't know maybe that wasn't part of his response at all but if i were Raphael, that would certainly have been a factor for me i would have been in my head very much like oh my god this person is going through this and they've never even gotten to have sex yet like it would freak me out on their behalf so anyway that whole thing it is is something. Um, so then we have this, this whole thing that's going on with Shamara and she winds up dumping Marco, Marcos, Marco, it's just Marco, right? Um, every time that she encounters Rogelio, there's like a literal spark happening between them. And uh, she just doesn't really feel like she has that with Marco. So he asks her to come to a family dinner 
And I was sort of expecting him to be the one who ended things because he was getting frustrated at Rogelio. But I was appreciative of the fact that Shamara takes it upon herself and says, you're a really great guy. And the way she says this, I thought was very well done. You're a great guy. And because of that, I was really wanting this to work out. But and because I wanted it to work out so bad, I've been ignoring that something is missing. And uh, I don't know, that feels like about as good as it's going to get for a breakup speech. You know, it's like, there's no way to break up with somebody that doesn't hurt them. I don't think. But that is as good a way as I have heard. Um, And she isn't like running out to be with Rogelio. But it's very clear, like, she doesn't want to put somebody else through dating her when she really doesn't seem to have an intention of connecting with them in a real way that blocks Rogelio out. Like he's part of the picture. She can't deny that. She also doesn't have to date him. So I feel like she's just going to kind of put herself in a holding pattern for a little while. Um, so then we have the conversation with um, Petra and what is this guy's name again, you guys? The dude who is, who uh, Raphael stole Petra away from. And there's an interesting like conversation with him and Petra at the bar. I think it's breakfast time actually. But yeah, he calls her a monster because she's basically like just give me money and we can be done with this and he says have you always been a monster or did it happen over time and she says how about we think back on our courtship which does i have to admit seem to shut him the fuck up and she asserts and i think she is correct that he basically set his sights on her pure Lachlan. Thank you, Natalia. He sets his sights on her purely to get back at Lachlan. Like it's, it wasn't even about her and I'm willing to believe that. And I love her saying my one advantage was going into this marriage, knowing the kind of guy you were, but frankly, you didn't care what kind of person I was because I wasn't even the factor that mattered so much. And then I was like, Ooh, that is. Yeah. And in this conversation, she ends it with, let's face it. You and Jane won't last. She's a good girl. And we've already established what you are. And when she walks away, she uh, gets this little smirk on her face. Like she feels she's really landed one. So I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here because after the date, like somebody yells out to Jane, um, they call her Jane the Virgin at this restaurant. They sent over like appetizers or something. And that's when he realizes, you know, what the deal is because she hasn't told him. And when he goes to the bar later that night and he gets another drink. There's this woman sitting next to him at the bar. Now, can I get a show of hands? How many of you guys knew the second this started that it was a fucking setup? 
And I'm really relieved that the fact it was a setup is revealed so quickly because I was very, very frustrated because it seemed so obvious to me. And I really want Raphael to be more on his guard. This is such a obvious play. You've got this beautiful woman sitting next to you, starting a conversation and being like pretty insistent that you take her drink already. I'm just like, there's something in that. There's something in that buddy. There is something in that drink, man. But the, the whole way that she approached it and how, like I'm the thing that I imagine is that Raphael is so conventionally attractive that he's used to women sort of throwing themselves at him. Maybe knowing who he is and wanting to get in his pants because they just, you know, are aware of the status he holds. Even so, though, with everything going on and this like thing with Lachlan and your soon to be ex-wife and your sister, I would just be on my guard a lot more than he apparently is. And I'm not blaming him I even though it sounds like I kind of am it's more that uh, as an audience member I felt like this was very clear um but he takes the drink and then of course there's this weird oh well there's like a uh VIP member who really liked you Jane and wants you personally to deliver these drinks to which she rightfully says, that's creepy and I'm not going to that room. And her boss says, no, you're going. And a big part of me wanted to be like, no, no, that's not how that works. That's her safety, actually. And you at least should be providing an additional person. Uh, like she needs to be chaperoned in this situation. When somebody is asking for a particular young woman and they're in the context of a private room, I was very annoyed at how her concerns on that were just brushed aside, but it's all part of this play to get her to go in so that she can actually see Raphael in bed with this woman. And she of course leaps to the conclusion that the moment he found out she was a virgin, he had to go out and get some from whomever he could, which why wouldn't you think that it sure fucking looks like that. And when she, gives him a chance to explain what happened. He can't remember. And that is what she just kind of waves as like, well, see, you got so drunk. You can't even tell me for sure. So why should I trust what you say? Whereas we know it's because whatever was in the drink immediately fucked him up. And I just want to say how like, incredibly shady this entire thing is from beginning to end when he is with the girl in the room he sees the medallion this lady is wearing and and she thinks that he's looking at her tits but he asks why is my why is my girlfriend between them and the girl gives him this look and i don't think that she i don't know if she explained it in that moment but the next thing we know, she is at school and she's going to see Jane and explains the whole thing and says that she was paid to set it up to make it look like they had sex. 
and that she is a religious person, which I, Jane like kind of scoffs, but she holds up a hand and is like, I understand why you might not believe that, but I am. And I did sort of like this, you know, like just because we have feelings about certain types of work does not mean that our feelings are correct in any way. And just because you think a thing doesn't mean that this person doesn't still have their beliefs just as hard as you have yours. So she tells Jane and then asks for a hug, which I really do feel like, lady, you should have quit while you were ahead. And she tells Jane that she has a son who, for reasons, she hasn't seen in a while. And she really needs a miracle. And Jane admits to her, this, I'm not a, like religious messiah. This is a medical mistake. And the lady looks kind of taken aback like that wasn't information that had circulated. And I am really, I was under the impression that the way Jane had gotten pregnant, that people knew. Are, are, is the mother superior pretending that this was like a spontaneous pregnancy? Like, is that what she is saying? I thought that the fertility thing that she, you know, was like, oh, well, the very first time and you get, but like, is she trying to claim that no sperm was involved? Like, what is it she's saying? And, and I don't know. I was just really startled by this lady's reaction because it really does seem to me like she had not heard that. I don't know. Um, but then Jane says, I'll give you a hug anyway, though. And they hug and it actually is really sweet. And I'm low key hoping that this girl like becomes a little bit more a part of things because if she is aware of the way Jane's being sort of targeted here, she might if the person who paid her, Petra, obviously, I'm assuming, um, if Petra isn't aware this girl has caved and gone and told the truth, then potentially she could be used against Petra somehow. So I would be down for that. I wouldn't mind seeing her be a bit more of a part of things. Um. But anyway, so yeah, that whole thing winds up getting wrapped up and she tells uh, Raphael about it, who immediately, of course, assumes it's Petra as well. Um, Lauren says, I think the nuns are just conveniently not explaining. Yeah, I get like, I am always just so surprised when people don't ask more questions about things. But I, 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 I really need to get over my surprise because I've been proven to overestimate people's curiosity a lot. Um, so we have a very awkward moment with Michael where Jane sort of passes him in the hall at work and he just like, I don't, does he even like look at her? She goes in and he walks past her and there's almost no anything. It is a really cold moment. And knowing that he's like sleeping with the, the partner now. It just feels really extra bitchy. He gives her, he makes eye contact with her. Okay. But he doesn't say anything to her. And ugh, 
You guys know. I fucking had it with Michael pretty much is where I'm at. So whatever. Fuck that guy. Um, We have him, though, watching this, like, shipping container with his partner. And this dude, like, kicks the one wall of it down and gets out. And he's got, like, a little duffel bag. And he gets into a car. He comes to the hotel and checks in. And they track him the whole time. And eventually they bust into his room. And he's gone and they have no idea how it is that he's gone. All I can think is that the room he went into is like a special room that has an, a doorway that they don't know about. Maybe something underneath the carpeting. Um, they didn't see him leave and it seemed like they were keeping a pretty close eye on him. So... It all depends, really, because this place was like not it, it did not belong to Raphael's family for very long. Who knows how it was built? And if they came in and did like renovations and stuff, things could have been changed as well. Um, Rowan says, was that dude just standing there in a shipping container in his suit for the multiple weeks overseas shipping often takes? This is the thing with those sorts of storylines like. I'm assuming that that shipping container has uh, probably a bucket in it or, uh, you know, God knows, like, or maybe he was like in on a, uh, the ship itself, but in order to smuggle him onto U.S. soil, he had to get into one of the containers. So he was like just a passenger. And then at the last second, they put him into, but yeah. There's a lot of container. There's a lot of containers. There's a lot of questions about the logistics of how something like this would work. Um, have you ever seen The Wire, Rowan? Because uh, there's a pretty ugly answer as well, potentially, for that question. And uh, there's a whole season that revolves around that, pretty much. Um, but anyway, so we have this thing with uh Lachlan where he is in the room with Petra she says to him yeah so leaving you for Raphael was the biggest mistake I've ever made is that what you wanted to hear and he like kind of walks up to her and she gets up really quickly and is like I have to go and I'm looking at this at first for a moment I thought she was being honest and then I was thinking, oh man, I, she, how often is she ever honest with dudes? And this is exactly what he wants to hear. It just felt so, it was a little too perfect. So the next time he sees her, he plays the sex tape and pretends to delete it. She thinks he's actually deleted it. I've got to admit, I'm not exactly like rooting for Lachlan or anything, but I was so proud of him for not actually deleting it. I thought he had 100% fallen for her bullshit. But what he's doing is letting her think that he's fallen for it. He has at least learned a little bit of a lesson. So good for you, Lachlan. Like, I'm not trying to say that you're playing the same game that Petra's playing. Because you just, I I don't know that you're anywhere like on her level. But at least you're starting to internalize the fact that she is not somebody to be trusted and take at face value. And I really do appreciate that. 
honestly, it's the sort of thing where I feel like if Petra found out that he kept a copy, she'd actually be grudgingly proud of him as well, you know? Um, but he's really making it seem like he wants to pick up entirely where they left off. Like he wants to be together again. He tells her something about how he never stopped missing her, which I certainly believe to be true, you know? And what I was getting at at the beginning of this episode where I sort of cut myself off because it wasn't really time to talk about it yet was Petra's whole deal with like winding up with uh, Raphael when I was still operating under the assumption that Raphael had done something to injure Petra's mother and that Petra had positioned herself so that she could get something out of him. I was sort of assuming that this was all part of a big scheme, that it was like a revenge thing on Raphael specifically for wrongs that he had committed, but not really paid for. And that she had determined a way to get hers. However, seeing that she was with Lachlan and that he sort of like pounced on her as a means of getting back at Lachlan part of me then went, well, maybe not then because how could she have planned that? But then I was like, I mean, he's seemed like he was pretty easy to manipulate. Maybe she could have planned it. Like she wants to get within she wants this man to see her. She wants this to be somebody that she gets her foot in the door with. Maybe encouraging Lachlan and getting him to a place where he takes this promotion over him. She knew would sort of like trigger his possessiveness and ter territoriality. I'm not saying it's impossible. It seems unlikely but a lot of what's going on with Petra is unlikely and it's still happening. She's still got this fucking uh, hostage and apparently him and her mother are both ordering like all of this room service. And uh, she's uh, like yelling at her mother about how she's eventually going to have to pay for it. But her mother does not seem concerned at all. So when Raphael asks her at one point, like, why are you still here? She's like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? I haven't got any money, which you very well know. Um, which is part of the problem about marrying for money, guys. You have to figure out a way to like make it work because otherwise the resources are completely in somebody else's hands. So the court thing, it looks like they're going to get a default judgment. His sister swans in unexpectedly at the last second. And she unfortunately fell off the wagon. I was a little bit bummed out for her about that. Um, and we see her like drinking and making out with strange women and whatnot and just kind of like losing it a little bit. She tells everybody that she's been on this like spiritual retreat. And I don't know if I'm supposed to think that she went on the spiritual retreat uh, in addition to the drunken makeout sessions. But I've been thinking that that was a complete fabrication and she basically, they give like a, a couple more weeks on the thing, which apparently Jane drops it. So it doesn't matter. And she decides that she is going to talk to Rose and it's Rose, right? What is his sister's name again? Um, 
And they are going to, is it Nadine? Why do I have Nadine in my head? But she wants Rose to confess to her husband about the fact that she cheated on him with her. And she frames it like, I need to get this like off my chest and it will feel so much better for you as well. And it, you know, when Rose is like, this is going to destroy my marriage, she says, or it could just make it stronger. And I was like, you've met your father. Come on, girl. Does that seem likely to you? And what killed me so bad here is like, when somebody, Nadine is Michael's partner. Oh, okay. So what is Raphael's sister's name? I for, That's the name that I'm losing here. Um, the thing that, that gets me about people like this. So Louisa, thank you, Natalia. Louisa is aware that Rose had said to her, this is just for fun. I'm not leaving him. You have to know that. So Louisa is aware that as far as Rose is concerned, she is where she's going to stay and does not have feelings for her and does not want to pursue anything or blow up her current situation. But Louisa isn't looking at things at face value. She seems to think that, and this is my opinion here. She's framing it like this will be good for you potentially. But I think what she wants is for Rose's situation to implode so that Rose has nowhere to turn but to her. And all I could think was, if you know this woman is mercenary enough to carry out an affair with her husband's daughter and stay with him and make it very clear she's not leaving. Why do you think your plan of telling is going to go at all the way you think? Like what it comes down to here is that Louisa hasn't got a clear picture of who Rose is. She is saying that she has feelings for her. And I'm like, baby, you just got dumped by your wife in a really awful way. She wasn't even dumped. Her wife didn't want to break up, but she got cheated on. And now she's turning to an ex. This is classic rebound behavior. You don't have feelings for her. And this isn't real. I just don't believe it's real. It's her in the midst of a fucking spiral. So what Rose does, and this is fucked up is she heads Louisa off and tells Raphael that she is going, that, that what Louisa is going to do is tell everybody how they had an affair and uh, claims that like Louisa was being really sexual with her, like in the way she was speaking and uh, that she Rose didn't know what to do do and it was so uncomfortable and says that he's having an she's having an episode and evidently Raphael and Luisa's mother 
she had a history of mental illness of some kind. So when she uses this language, it calls to mind whatever they went through with their mom. And immediately Raphael is inclined to believe Rose. So when Luisa starts to protest in this sort of like intervention, they wind up having, it just looks like she's raving. And she basically, she gets involuntarily committed. She basically gets like scooped up and carted off to a psych ward, which is a really like, it's just such a fucked up situation. It's truly like rotten of Rose. And I, the only thing that I can hope that can come out of this is that Luisa realizes the kind of person Rose is and that she's not in love with her. Like, she is not for you girl get out of there i ah, it's so annoying because like what rose did is despicable and unforgivable but i also feel like she tried to make it hella clear that this wasn't going anywhere else and fucking louisa had to push it she had to keep pushing you know but that's what happens you get into it with somebody and you're like relying on their discretion if they just decide that they don't want to be discreet anymore what are you going to do that's a that's a big factor in a lot of murders actually is somebody finally being like i'm not keeping our relationship secret anymore and a person acting out of desperation um oh rowan says Raphael and luisa have different moms just fyi i didn't realize that okay so Luisa's mom specifically has something going on then because he says something about her mother or maybe Rose does. But either way, there's something like with a precedent here that they're all reacting to. Um, so, yeah, it's a really awful like scene. I just felt the, the, the gaslighting is terrible. But I also feel like Louisa was kind of gaslighting Rose as well, trying to be like, oh, you'll feel so much better. Like she had this like awakening. I don't think she did. I don't believe that this was purely for selfish reasons that she's trying to get Rose to like ruin her marriage. So there's a big part of me as well that's still mad at Louisa. Like you came out here with your guns blazing like you were gonna draw a line in the sand and an ultimatum for this woman i mean you didn't have to come at it this way and maybe this is not how this would have gone for you so everybody here sucks is basically what this comes down to um and i'm just making sure that i haven't missed anything else here because we've got a lot of like lull conversations and they all tie into like bigger moments. So I'm just quickly going through. Um, oh my God. The, the, the scene where she gets like taken away is just really awful. Um, okay. We have the scene with Lachlan, whatever, whatever with Michael. I really honestly though, guys don't care about the Sin Nostro thing very much at this point. It's just not really something that's like captivating. Um, so the last thing that I didn't really touch on was I talked about Shamara and Rogelio and their relationship, but Shamara gets approached by this producer who heard her sing at the, so she thinks at the lounge and he wants to do a demo with her. And she is in the studio recording with him. And honestly, guys, 
I don't know if it's just me. When she sang in the lounge, I wasn't like super, you guys know, singing, watching people sing is hard for me. I wasn't super into it, but I was like aware that in an empirical sense, she had a good voice. But in this demo, she sounds really nasal and like harsh to me. I didn't think she sounded like herself and I didn't think she sounded very good. But whatever. She makes this demo tape and this guy tells her at one point that she he always like does a favor for a friend and she doesn't understand. So it turns out that Rogelio asked this man to do this. And she is humiliated because she thought this was just on pure merit and that she got discovered when in fact it's because of something that Rogelio called in on her behalf. And this dude says something like, why do you think that we didn't have sex in the sound booth? Which I was just like, ugh, but that's probably a very realistic thing. Um, and when she goes to talk to Rogelio, she's upset, but then he sort of is like, I thought I was doing something nice. And she kind of stops and is like, okay, yeah, it, it was nice. And she seems like she's stepping back and looking at it, not from the perspective of like, you were trying to trick me and more that he really thought he was being supportive. And I appreciate her ability to do that, even though, it, you know, Rogelio, his his heart is always in the right place. He just doesn't really seem to see what it feels like to people. And I do appreciate this, especially knowing Rogelio having been in a situation where he was like financially not stable pretty recently, that he is willing to use his connections to help this woman who has talent but isn't able to get a break. And this is, you know, as much as we want to be like, oh, I, I wish that I had been discovered purely because of my talent in this lounge. We have this like idea of success coming from these pure places where you accidentally catch somebody's eye. But unfortunately, that's really like 5%. You know, most people know someone and they get in somewhere they wouldn't have gotten because they're friends with daughter of worthy assistant to XYZ. And so while I can understand her frustration at wanting to have done this on her own without getting favors, also get over it. You know, like there, that there is that element as well. I, you had an idea of how your success was going to happen. That's not exactly what you got. That doesn't mean your talent isn't worth something. So get over it. Let go of your mental image of how this is going to work and just accept that you got a break here and that that's a lucky thing for you. And I think she is. So um, I think that is pretty much every plot beat in this episode other than the, uh, yeah. And, and them following this guy into the room and not being able to find him, which was a weird thing. Um, and I was sort of questioning when Jane tells Raphael that her grandmother isn't legally in the country. 
had a little bit of a moment, guys, of like, is somebody listening? Because I feel like somebody could use that against her really quickly. I hope it's not a thing, but it's kind of a too juicy a point to bring up to not do something with it, you know? Um, Natalia is in the chat says, love that they're bringing in Latino pop culture icons for these roles. Juanes playing the producer. Do not know who that is. Be honest, Natalia. I didn't know that this guy was a, a known quantity. So sorry that that went pretty much right over my head. I do like the moment though, when he's like talking to her and he tells her to dig deeper and then he stops and records himself doing like a little couple of notes on dig deeper. Um, it's the sort of thing that's like, it's really cringy to watch, but also how many times does that happen to creative people during the day where you have these little ideas, you don't take them down and then you forget them. So maybe I shouldn't be so embarrassed about that sort of thing and like give into it more. I don't know. Um, all right. I have to wrap, but thank you guys so much for hanging out with me. Appreciate you a lot for feeding me names. Thank you, Natalia, for commissioning this. And I'm very excited to watch the next one. This is a lot of fun to cover. Until next time, toodaloo, motherfuckers. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.